We're Aaron and Dave Tashin, co-hosts of the Mindful Educators Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Coming up on episode 84 of Podcast PD, we're talking to James Sturdivant, and we are teaching in magenta. This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development. Our conversations and guests will provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day. Except you're going to have more fun with AJ Bianco, Stacey Lindis, and me, Chris Nessie. Let's start the show. What is up, beautiful people, people out in podcast land? It is Sunday, September 20th. It's 8.30 p.m., which means it's time for a little podcast PD. My name is Chris Nessie, at Mr. Nessie on Twitter, also the host of the House of EdTech podcast, and I am joined, as always, by my podcast compadres, who are chuckling at me. We'll get to that. <laughs> AJ Bianco, Stacy Lindis. What's up? AJ, how you doing? AJ Bianco here, host of Reflect Ed podcast. It's Sunday. Both of my teams lost today. I'm not happy. <laughs> Mr. Podcast over here. No, that's you. <laughs> Don't flip that on me. <laughs> uh, I'm doing both? good. I'm, I'm looking Wait, forward to it. what do you mean both your teams lost today? I was the Jets and the Yankees. Jets and the Yankees. It's Sunday. It's football season. I know the Jets played. I mean, they, they showed up. They didn't really play. But yeah. uh, the Yankees just got smacked. Wow. That's okay. That's okay. No, we stay positive with the Yan- Yankee world. We're staying positive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you got to get that green bandage. You got to take care of that. Nah, whatever. Giants aren't much better. Yeah, resilience. That's what, that's what that's what being a Jets fan teaches you. Stacy, how are you? If we talk sports, Stacy fell asleep already. I'm doing all right. Um, it's a beautiful day here in New Jersey. It started out a little chilly. Perfect hiking weather. So we went, what? Why are you laughing? The weather update is brought to you by. Well, it's brought to you by Chris every day on Twitter. Anyway, we went out this morning for a hike and uh, some geocaching. And uh, we did like a... Not a mystery cache, like a. It's like one of those caches that's like connected to one another, so you don't get to the end until you find all the clues. They're not my favorite, but it was actually fun because we went to all parts of the park and um, and got around. How about you, Chris? Cool. What's going on with you? Uh I I enhanced the studio. I am now rocking the triple monitor setup. Ooh, and a yeah. sewing machine behind you. Well, th- I mean that's been there. The camera's just at a bit of a different angle, so. I now have three screens, so I'm one step closer to being Batman, except for I'm still afraid of heights. And, and you're not a millionaire. And I'm also not rich. <laughs> but I got all sorts of stuff in front of me, picture on social media coming soon. So I set that up today. I've been playing a lot of wiffle ball with the boys. <laughs> My five-year-old lefty, who hopefully he can work till he's 45 as a left-hander. Throwing smoke? Uh, not throwing smoke. He lobs him right in there from about... 16 20 feet away and then i just smoke these wiffle balls all <laughs> over the neighborhood oh, and, my, and my big guy he rides his bike around trying to pick up the balls as i pelt him <laughs> you're a lefty too right chris uh i write left-handed everything else i am right-handed i throw oh. righty i bat righty yeah. i right. eat righty <laughs> i eat lefty so who knows i eat your both hands just keep going yeah. <laughs> hey I'm Italian over here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> introduce um, our guest, Chris. Yeah. yeah. There's an unfamiliar the chuckle. Yeah, there you go. Uh, real quick, hello to everybody who is joining us live, uh, which we do this show live. Come out to podcastpd.com slash live uh, every other Sunday and follow us on the social media at podcastpd on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if this were Romper Room, hello to David and Stephanie and Michael. So nice <laughs> to see you guys out here in the chat tonight. Spread the love, share it around. But tonight, we are here to bestow some positivity, some high energy, and we have a fantastic guest joining us. We are joined, as we said at the top, by James Sturdivant. He lives in eastern Delaware County, Ohio, just north of Columbus, though he's mm-hmm. coming to us tonight from Maryland. So we'll right. have him explain that. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, <laughs> James is a husband and father of three, and for 34 years, he taught high school social studies and is now an adjunct professor of education. 
He is the author of Hacking Engagement and Hacking Engagement Again, and he hosts the Hacking Engagement podcast. In July of 2020, he released his latest book, Teaching in Magenta, 100 Paths to Joy and Well-Being for You and Your Students, and James joins us tonight. James, what's up? Hey, I, I have to ask AJ a question. How do you how do you throw smoke with a wiffle ball? Oh come on! Wait. So, so in all honesty, I don't think like that's I, possible. I've actually learned this. I've, depending on how you hold, how you hold the wiffle ball, yeah. you know, the, the way you cover up the different holes, you can throw different pitches. So you can throw the curveball, and I throw the knuckleball. But you can you can actually throw smoke if you have most Very of the good. holes covered up. You you were exceptionally prepared for that prompt, weren't you? Oh come on, man! Wiffle ball. <laughs> You throw a sport at me, I'm going to play it. I don't care what it is. Well, I have to say, I have to share one more thing. I, I watched a little bit of your Jets today, and sorry, and I, I, I would say, I would say the 49ers won a pyrrhic victory. Yeah, that was, half, half the team got, got half hurt. the team was out by the second quarter. <laughs> That's right. Well, Chris, I'm in New Jersey. I mean, I'm, excuse me, I'm in Maryland because my my daughter lives in Maryland, and you know when your kids get to be of an age where they move away, you got to go visit them. And this is the only place I could find uh, peace and quiet. And I just have to add one thing to my bio. I'm also a, a grandfather. Hey, got hey. got two grandkids. Yeah, man. I'm, That's awesome. It's, it's, it's a fast life. <laughs> and and I, I guess it seems like it's moving faster every day. <laughs> and and when, when was it that you and I talked last? I mean, was that 2016, 2017? I, I don't remember. I, you know, if I was a better podcaster, I would know the answer to that question, but yeah. I'm going to say 2016, 2017, we talked yeah. about hacking engagement on House of Ed Tech, and we put I've, that Ed Tech spin on that conversation. Absolutely. I, I think that was in the fall of one of those years. I forget which. So that's about the end of the show. <laughs> and, and one more thing, AJ, I, I, I have to share this with you because you're a sports guy. I take it. I hope. I, I'm oh, guessing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, one, one great thing about my new position in life is... I'm not teaching tomorrow morning. <laughs> so right after this, I'm going to watch uh, Cam Newton and Russell Wilson duel it out. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I thought you were going to throw like golf at me. I was going to be jealous for a second there. <laughs> if you're in Maryland, you got some good, you got some good golf courses around there. Okay. All right. So that's me. That's me, Chris. And, and we are glad you are here. Um, mm -hmm. What do you say we dive right in? And, and we talked about a little bit of this uh, in, before we hit record and at the start of your new book, Teaching in Magenta, you share the, uh, it makes me jealous, the story of how you were able to retire from teaching in the spring of 2019, yeah. and yeah. you used words like buyout, and again, you are a veteran teacher. Um, tell us a little bit about how that went down, and how you overcame any fear, or that little voice oh, in yeah. your head that might have spoke up when considering that offer. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a great, great prompt, because... Man, I love teaching. It's just, it just fits me. It's, it's just, it's just so natural for me. I, I, and, and I was getting at an age, thirty-four years in, and I started to think, okay, this is going to end at some point. But I'm a young fifty-nine, you know, and I, and I have a lot of energy, and I just couldn't imagine just going home and just hanging out all day. I, I just couldn't fathom that. And so I, I you know, I was in the midst of. Uh, it was the late winter of 2019. I was getting ready to coach track and field. And our school district said, we need to reduce our, our pay, you know, our pay burden. We need to get rid of some of these older teachers. And I, I didn't take it personal, but they came to me and they said, Jim, if you retire, you know, we're just going to give you $45,000 just as a bonus, just to leave. And, and we love you. It's not, don't take it personal. We just, we just need to reduce our payroll. And, um, I knew that I had to explore that, Chris. That, that's a lot of money. And, and I, I knew I had to take that seriously because I was planning on retiring at some point in the near future. And so I had to figure out a way to replace the 175 social interactions I got with kids daily for me to take the school district up on the offer. I called up a friend of mine who was a uh, education department chair at Muskingum University. I said, do you have any ideas for me? She goes, yeah, please come down here and teach here next year because we need college profs who've actually done the job for long periods of time. And that just sounded fantastic to me. So uh, the other thing I did was I went to a local um, aid agency, which helps refugees get their citizenship in Columbus, Ohio. And Chris and I were talking before the uh, program started. We have a number of refugees in Columbus. And so 
there were two options to maintain that social interaction I have with students. And so I took them up on their offer. And in the midst of that, <laughs> in the midst of that decision is when I decided to write this book. That's awesome. As, as a fellow college professor, do you agree or disagree that teaching at the higher education level is all the perks of education without all of the crap we deal with in K-12? It's so freaking easy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, what's, and what's funny is uh, I'll like bring in guests that are my teacher friends from high school. And uh, they'll be, man, it's so quiet here. Like, where's all the noise? It's just like, this is just the way it is. And what really, I mean, you know, at the, at the K-12 level, like we're like have these industrial settings, you know, like these desks in rows, like these periods, people running here, people running there. It really hit home, Chris, the first time I gave a midterm, uh, the student gets done before anybody else in the class. Marches right up, plops that midterm on the desk and goes, see ya. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, you can do that. <laughs> you can walk out the door. That's I don't have to figure out something to do to keep you occupied while everybody else finishes. That's when it really hit home. Yeah, for, for me, it's always breaking them of, wow, I know what you I know pretty much what your K-12 experience was. And mm-hmm. I need to, like, flip that on its head because I I tell them. I don't, I don't want you to sit here for 80 minutes once a week and have me drop knowledge into your skulls. That's not going to work like that. Yeah. It's like, we need to have a conversation. You need to be engaged. And I'd say by week three, they're on board and it's a lively, vibrant space to learn and grow. But you know, it, it, it is funny. I teach freshmen in college. I teach juniors in college and I have one graduate school class. There's a heck of a lot of similarities between a freshman in college and a high school senior. I mean, there's not much separation. There's still like. They have a summer of separation. That's it. That's like, right. They're barely <laughs> older. And in, and in many ways, they're, they're dealing with a remarkable amount of freedom that they've never had before. And some of them don't handle it well. <laughs> I don't think I did. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. I did. <laughs> So, yeah, it, but but it's been it's just been an outstanding transition for me. It's just it's just worked like a charm. I'm, I'm very grateful. You sound, you sound pretty happy with that. So that's pretty phenomenal. It is. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you what, um, man, the the intensity of the K-12 days is hard to explain to, to like a college professor. Mm-hmm. I mean, like my day started at 715. I had senior parking lot duty. So my objective was to keep kids from smoking dope and you know, making out in their cars and all that stuff. And then it just went from there. And it was nonstop. I had lunch duty with like 250 kids. It's hard not to get hit with a shrapnel. Uh, you know, you, you run around and you clean up after them, but you bond with them. By the end of the day, I mean, you know, it's like down goes Frasia. I mean, it was it was like lay down on the floor and just relax. You know, I, I had 51 students this semester and everybody at my college is saying, wow, that's a lot of kids. It's like, that's nothing. That's nothing. That's that's incredible. It's not right. Yeah, it's nothing. So James, James you be- seem like God. Uh, okay, James, before we get into uh, the book, um, yeah. you're about a year removed from quote unquote retirement. Um, do you look back and do you miss anything about what you did at the high school level, or is that just fond memories of days gone by now? You know, it's 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 sure I do, but it. it but it, I left on a high note. I had more students ask me to hand them their diploma that last year than, than any year I've ever been there. I, I, I had kids giving me gifts. It'd be hard to top that last year. And here's what I miss, though. I, I live in kind of a small town. It's a suburb, but it's a small town. And, you know, I, I go to the local grocery store. It's Sturdivant. <laughs> I, I have some students now that I don't recognize. And, that, and that's that's a little sad. But I'll tell you what, man, I like the idea of watching Cam Newton and uh, Russell Wilson play football tonight and <laughs> drink a beer with my with my son-in-law and not worry about getting up. I like that a lot. <laughs> that is the dream to which AJ and I aspire to live. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but the trade-off is you're older. I mean, so you got to gotta be happy where you are. I mean, I'd like to be – I'd love to have AJ's hair, man. That's just beautiful. <laughs> and it would be like 38. I wouldn't want to be a middle school principal, though, AJ. I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, all kidding aside, um, James, you're a super positive man. Um, 
I can hear in your in your voice the enthusiasm you have for what you're doing now and the passion that for what you had in the past. And you know, your book is about teaching magenta, but what does that really mean? What does that mean for the average person? What does that mean to you? And what okay. will it mean to readers? One thing I like to do when people ask me about my book is I like to give them an elevator pitch, which I think is helpful because, you know, people, it's like, how are you doing? It's like, do you really want to know? (laughs) So like, I'm going to give you the elevator pitch for teaching in Magenta. This book provides a hundred ways to create a magnificent day in the classroom. Once you start stringing some Magenta days together, you and your students will experience profound well-being and deep joy. So my gist on teaching in Magenta is the growth mindset of creating outstanding days in the classroom. And if you take the attitude that the world just kind of happens to you, this probably is not the book for you. So I'm going to give 100 paths, 100 ways, 100 methods to try to create that outstanding day. And and I read through, I did not read all 100 of them. And your advice in the beginning of the book is to take it slowly, take it in mm-hmm. bits and chunks and over six weeks, over a semester. I think for me, it's going to be over this year as we kind yeah. of like bring everything together. Um, is there one pathway, one strategy that you find is like your go-to? Like if you meet someone in the elevator and you're like, this right. is the one for you. Right. You know what, Stacey, I, I actually... Like I have my little iPad here, you know, like with my notes on it, like like my little talking points memo. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of glancing off to the side. Cut me a little slack. I can't remember everything verbatim. It's fine. But what I have here is this is perfect for tonight's episode, a Sunday night. Okay, this is a perfect Sunday night path, and that is why I chose it. But it can apply to any day. It's path 28. It's called Fake It Till You Make It. So I'm just going to read it. Of course, some days you just don't feel like going to school. Such emotions often materialize on Monday mornings. And if you feel this way, think about your poor students. At least you get a paycheck for being there. (laughs) So today, put on a happy face. Greet students enthusiastically. Bound into class, ready to roll. Say cheesy things like today has great potential. Or don't be in a rush to get to the weekend. You could miss something awesome that could happen to you today. You may consider this act a bit You may consider this act a bit fake, but it's a harmless performance. I do it all the time, and it generally becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I I think if you can come to school and you can make the decision to be positive, uh, be as happy as you can be, even if it's a bit of an act, I tend to think that you will talk yourself into having a good day and your students are going to benefit a lot from that. Yeah. And and that is the perfect bit of of advice for our Sunday. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, one of the things my principals talked about this year, um, because I'm in the classroom, I'm with kids. And so our kids don't come to us every few days. They come to us every other week. Mm -hmm. And so last Monday was week one for all of those kids who had been home the first real week of school. And, you know, he said, you know, welcome to Groundhog Day. And then he said, but you can't treat it like it's Groundhog Day for these kids, because for these kids, it is the first day that they're setting they're setting foot into a school since March 13th. And, you know, that really it goes hand in hand with your message of fake it till you make it, because I was not super excited. Like I was a little nervous. You get Mm -hmm. those first day jitters. I had those first day jitters all over again, because now not only did I have a new group, but I had more new kids in this group than I had in my previous week. And it was just like, all right, they kind of know me from the four days that we spent online together because I'm, tr- I'm teaching synchronously as well. But um, the fake it till you make it, I think is, is the perfect thing for tonight mm-hmm. and, and for any Monday and for each week as I, as I greet it, new kids. And for me, I was, I joked that it was going to be like coming back from Christmas break every single time my kids step foot in the class. They're coming back from a Christmas break. They're coming back from a week off from school. Mm-hmm. Not entirely because they'll be with us virtually, but it's just like reestablishing norms and, you know, mm-hmm. embracing that and, you know, engaging them with an, in a, engaging with them in a way that makes it feel new for them. Even though for me, it is kind of Groundhog Day-ish. Stacey, I want to, if you don't mind, I'd like to build off this a little bit. Go ahead. Because I want to show you some, uh, I want to share with you some research on this. And uh, one of my, one of the things that happened to me when I, I, I started this college teaching role is I wanted to, you know, gather resources that would be 
helpful and meaningful to my students. And one of the things that I found that's just outstanding, every educator should listen to this podcast. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, Chris, but it's the Happiness Lab podcast. Are any of you familiar with it? No. Um, This lady is called Dr. Lori Santos. She's a professor, a psychology professor at Yale. And uh, she taught this class at Yale called Psychology and the Good Life that had 1,200 students sign up for it. Yale was so impressed and amazed with what she did that they offered the class free to anybody online. It's incredible. I heard it advertised on CBS News, immediately went and looked it up and listened to the first episode, and I was hooked. And one of the, one of the people that she um, interviewed in that first episode, her name is Sonia Lewambersky, who's a psychology professor at the University of California, California, Riverside, who wrote a book called The Myths of Happiness, What Should Make You Happy But Doesn't, and What Shouldn't Make You Happy But Does. And one of her big messages is being happy. You have to practice things that, that facilitate happiness. And, and she would be very much on board with my path 28 because you have to go in there with a mindset that I am going to make this the best possible day I'm going to, I'm going to have. So that's, that's some of the science behind it. And then there's one more path in my book that I think might also reinforce this idea. I, I don't know the number of the path, but it talked about say hello to a 50 year old. And maybe some of you might remember that I was at, Walmart <laughs> the other day, and this this older gentleman walks up to me and he goes, uh, "Hey, Mr. Sturdivant," and I'm like, "Hello," you know, and he goes, "I had you in class, uh, you know, in 1985." I'm like, "Wow, you're kidding me," I, you know, and then we started talking, you know, Stacy. He couldn't he couldn't tell you one thing we did lesson plan wise, but he remembers the way I treated him. Yeah. And he remembered that I would come into class and I was a pretty positive person. So that's a long time ago. I love it. So that that's the power of of this information, of, the, of these directives, I should say. Yeah, that that, that was that's the stuff that man. lasts. Mm-hmm. How you treat yeah. these people and I mean, that we I teach. Mean, I mean, when you think about your 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 favorite teachers from college, high school, or middle school, or whatever, you can't remember many of their lessons. I mean, some you might. I mean, if it was like a really powerful lesson, but you sure as heck remember how they treated you. Yeah, d- definitely. I, I remember the teachers that I had a good connection with and had a great rapport or, you know, relationship with, you know, I I don't remember all of the lessons, but Mm -hmm. I I must've learned something to get where I'm at. (laughs) Some would say. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Or maybe you're just a really smart guy. Both. You all heard that, right? That's recorded. We're streaming it on the internet. You just met your guy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, James, now, well, everybody, everybody from Ohio thinks everybody from New Jersey is smarter than they are. So, you know, what, what, what can I say? <laughs> James, what can we say? Everybody in New Jersey thinks we're smarter than everybody else, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. AJ, what do you got? No, I'm just going to say, James, I'm just I've listened to your podcast before. I've checked out a lot of episodes you've been on and your positivity is Thank definitely you. infectious. And I, I love your your mindset. You know, I think we're kind of stuck and I think about I think about you and I think about other teachers who are at the stage of their career where they're basically counting down the days to retire. Yeah. You know, and, and that's right. And we and we have these teachers who count the days, they forget about the things that they used to do in the past. They they kind of maybe live on the moments they had in their first ten or fifteen years. And now they're just going through the motions. So mm-hmm. when when you think about teaching in magenta and you think about these other educators who may be jaded at this point, yeah. You know, h- how do you respond to them and their negativity? That maybe your maybe that your book. I'm not saying it is, but maybe mm-hmm. the book is just you know a hoax and it's just fake positivity. <laughs> How do you respond hoax. to that? You know what? I don't worry about those folks, man. I mean, you you got to be who you are and be a good. I mean, it's the way you impact your students is to be an outstanding role model. And and you know, I mean, like the lectures don't work, the the guilt trips don't work, but if you do something successfully with students, people will notice. And some of them might throw stones at you and, and, and be negative about it, but they're noticing it. And it is making an impact. And so my answer to that, AJ, is, is I, I'm able to tune that out, man. I, I, don't, I don't worry about those folks. I mean, they need to get their act together, but I ain't going to tell them. I'm just going to be me, and, and, and they, can, they can 
use me as an example or not. That's that's their call. That's awesome. So it's so hard because you say that. And I'm just like, I'm just I think of myself like I try to forget those people, but at the back of my yeah. mind, there's something in me that wants to push those people or ignore yeah. those people, and I, I don't want to ignore them because then they, they they fall to the they fall to the back, and then they're going to just ruin experiences for our students. You know something. Um, I'm not I'm not saying that I am the most open minded person in the world. And I can remember like sometimes administrators would come in and they would like say, hey, we all want you to start teaching this way. We all want you to start doing standards based learning. We all want you to, you know, just do revision after revision after revision on, you know, a lot of times you're like, you know, no, man, you, you can't push me into doing that. But but in most cases, after I saw people having success with that, I became a lot more conducive to the message. But if somebody is is forcing it on you, forget it, man. I mean, like how many people, you know, you got somebody voting for Biden, you got somebody voting for Trump. How often do you see them talk to each other and go, oh, wow, I didn't think about that. I, mm-hmm. I guess I'm going to vote for the other guy. It ain't going to happen. Yeah, ma- mandates are the worst thing in education. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, like, you know, I, I think your your question is a really solid one. It's sad that there's teachers like that. There are teachers like that. I will tell you this, though, and I believe this. I, I think teachers are better now than when I started teaching. I think there were more teachers like that when I started teaching. I think there were some pretty marginal teachers that I had in high school in the 1970s that couldn't cut it today. So I, I'm pretty enthusiastic about where things are headed. I, I, I agree. agree. I, I, we've, we've had conversations before about how, you know, we wish we could be students now or in high school now and yeah. experience the technology or the learning styles or just the different types of projects and approaches to learning. Because, you know, we learned one way and now we're teaching a completely different way. Thank yeah. God. <laughs> and Chris, I have to say that since I started teaching this assessment class to undergraduates, I look back on the way I teach and I just want to take myself out in the hall and berate myself. <laughs> I used to do a lot of stupid things. I, I wish I could go back and, and, and do it better. I mean, you know, and I, I think, I, I think AJ, one thing that's really important is, you know, on your staff and your, on your middle school, I mean, when you're looking for teacher leaders, you know, it's, it's not necessarily the veterans, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I remember one time I was in this teacher's meeting and there was a young woman in there that's that's younger than my oldest child. And she's in there talking about how to utilize this. Uh, I think it was uh, peer grade, this this uh, this platform, which allows students to collaborate and assess one another. And I'm thinking, going, man, I don't know anything about this. I need to I need to learn from this person. And so I think if you can just get over yourself a lot of times, that helps, too. But telling someone to get over themselves isn't very successful either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Now, James, going back into the book. So the book is divided into five sections. Uh, right. Compassion, optimism, balance, adaptability, and contentment. Mm-hmm. Uh, being that the three of us had the opportunity to go, th- go through the text, um, we're going to share what we think, but we want to know what you think as, you know, the man who put pen to paper or mm-hmm. key to keyboard. Uh, which of these resonates most with you as an educator? Wow, that's a good question. I've never been asked that. Um, I have compassion, absolutely the first one. I, I think that that's where I think that that's your responsibility as a teacher. I, I think the others are a little more self-directed, whereas compassion is the one that's most directed toward the students. So I'd say that's the most important. Well, I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page. Um, my, my compadres have a different perspective, which is totally cool because there's five opportunities, uh, but compassion, <laughs> especially even now resonates. Uh, what are you laughing at? No. Yeah. <laughs> um, You're so compassionate, Chris. Yes, I am. And I am compassionate. Uh, it really, really resonated with me because again, but, for me, but, it's always but been Chris, about let me, let me tell, let me tell you that one of the, mm-hmm. and, and let me say one thing. Um, this book is, marketed as something that is going to help teachers with well-being. And so I, I could see how someone would answer differently. Um, and, and that's fine. I mean, but but based on which do I think is the most important, I like to think I'd put the kids first. And I, I have a quote for you, if you don't mind. Right. And this is a, this is a, actually, it's not a quote. It's, well, it is a quote. It's, it's something I laid on my students last, uh, last week 
my uh, intro to education students. These are 18 year olds who who think they want to be teachers and they're just exploring things, and, and they're talking about talking about uh, state standards. They're talking about all these things, and I put this quote on the board. This is from Education Week, uh, the periodical from 2019, and this is on the research on student teacher relationships says a review of educational research analysis of 46 studies found that strong teacher-student relationships were associated in both the short and long term with improvements on practically every measure schools care about. So not as, not only is it just like good for them holistically, it's also good for them learning-wise. So in answer to your question, I, I, I do like the, the um, compassion part. AJ, what resonated with you? See, I for me, I always look towards optimism, you know, because I think and I know we're going to get this get to this in a second. But I'm going to jump the gun here, Chris. I'm sorry. But I think optimism <laughs> is extremely important because you talk about, you know, that push forward. And I think we have to look at our teachers as as those who can do it. And I want to be optimistic that I'm, you know, that I'm building a school that I have the right teachers. They're on board the bus and and they're doing the right things for our students. So I, I think of optimism and I think. Well, I'll hold on to that second part. I know that's the next part, Chris, the biggest takeaway. So I won't jump the gun there. I said I was going to, but sure. I'll hold back. I'll hold back. But optimism to me, just because I, I want to have more of that, that optimistic look on education. I want to believe that we're at the height of education now and they're only, we're going to continue to rise. Yeah. Go ahead, Stace. What's yours? Yeah. So I think it really depends on where you are um, in, within yourself. So like right now, being that I am working in um, a hybrid setting and I'm teaching synchronously, like I immediately gravitated toward adaptability. If I, I thought had, you'd say that, I thought you'd say that. If mm-hmm. I had read this book over the summer, not knowing where, like what my setup would be and what my programming was going to be, I think I would have gone with compassion or optimism because you know, mm-hmm. after being away from my kids and the year not ending right, like I really got myself in a funk, and you know. It happens from time to time, but it was really hard. And, you know, other things happen that did not help make that feel good. But like I need to in this in this at this particular time, in these last two weeks really just need to be bendy and flexible and adapt and kind of just kind of take the punches wherever they're coming from. And they're coming from all sides right now and just kind of be like, OK, yeah. this is what we've got. And I'm going to adapt. Oh, the microphone's not working. All right. Give me five minutes while no I kidding. figure out why I can't hear you, but you can oh, still no hear kidding. me, you know, no or like, and, yeah. And Stacy, let me ask you, like, how has this, how has this COVID experience changed you? I mean, I mean, obviously it's changed everybody, but in terms of your adaptability, have you been able to not uh, react uh, in an intense way when something's not working? Have you been able to do that? I've almost always been like that, but I find like even one of the like this is not the so we're going to talk about like what really spoke to us, what our biggest takeaway was. But when you were talking about, um, you know, um, greet a 50 year old, I went to see what number that was because I'm like the dork that does that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh, what number was that? It was 85. It's something I should know. (laughs) I believe it was 85. But then in looking around, I saw like like one of the things that jumped out was like, don't be fussy. And like, that's another thing in the adaptability. I'm working with a co-teacher for the first time this year. And like, like I'm really very particular about certain things and I'm particular about the way my lesson plans look and the font has to be just so. And like, it's just, for me, it makes me happy. And she had put things in there and the font was like different because she had copied and pasted from her thing. And I was like, you know what? If I spend all my time correcting that now, I'm going to spend all my time correcting it this year. And I don't have time for that. And I adapted to it and I was like, I'm not going to be fussy. This was before I read that part of the book and I'm not going to care. And like, you know, I have to give myself, this is something we've talked about pretty much from the summer on. Like I have to give myself grace. I have to be graceful with my, with my students. I have to Mm -hmm. give grace to our admin and just understand that like, we are all trying to do what's right for kids and our approach may be different, but our, um, our goal is the same. And there you know, are different pathways and different strategies to get there. And I need to keep that in mind. So the adaptability, not being fussy, that speaks to me in a way that like, like I, I just have to let it go. I have to let go of being in control, especially this year. There's no control to be had. You know, something I, I, I forget the person who said this probably 
somebody made it up, but it's beautiful. It's this concept that, you know, we teach most what we need to learn. So in, in writing that path, <laughs> in writing that path, you know, it's something I struggle with because uh, this fall, you know, I teach at a small liberal arts college. I mean, if, if we're out too long, we're out of business. I mean, we're, we're doing school. We're doing we're doing in class. We're doing in-person instruction this fall. It's and there's like plexiglass and we're all wearing masks and it's it's really challenging. But I was put in this room with this really kind of large group of college kids. I know not by high school standards, but there's 22 of them or something like that in there. And the computer in there sucks. And it's really, really hard to work with. And I find that in my 50 minutes of class, you know, you know, three or four of those minutes are spent trying to correct obstacles that have to do with technology. And, and I was frustrated that first day because I did not get through my lesson plan. And I had to reread that path. I had to not be a hypocrite and practice what I preach because it, it was very frustrating at first. But I think I read that because I'm a fussbutt. You know? I think I wrote that because I'm a fussbutt. I think I wrote that because I needed to read it. So what made you think that I would pick adaptability? I'm just curious. Because I I, I just sensed it. I, I can't give you an explanation. I, I, I think maybe because you made a statement earlier on in the podcast about you, you having a stressful teaching situation coming up. I, I think you were talking about tomorrow mm-hmm. and how you had to do some things. And I thought, well, a lot of people right now might say adaptability because of COVID and, and, and the challenges put upon them. So it was a guess. But I think they all spe- pure speculation. Like the COVID has yeah, no COVID balance. COVID speaks to you know no time and all the things and that you're you know well, it's just it's it's every single one of those right. and, those um areas is hit by and can address COVID. And, and you know what's funny about you know what's funny about this book is I wrote it in about three weeks in, in 2019. I, I made the decision I was going to retire and I just started typing. I just couldn't get over how fast it all came out. And then, you know, I just kind of sat on it and just kind of went on with my life. But then when COVID struck, I felt a tremendous urgency to have it published. And, you know, I had a publisher and he was very interested in it. But as soon as COVID struck, I was I was talking to him saying, I, I really think that this is needed right now. So even though I wrote it before COVID, I got in tr- tremendous incentive to have it published because of COVID. Hmm. Yeah, it's the well, perfect. I'm still book not going to say year. COVID was a good thing because we eventually would have got the book. So <laughs> yeah, we're not no going to thank COVID for the book. No, no, no but it's no the kid, perfect. Man. It's the perfect book for this year. Yeah, yeah. And all thank years you, going man. forward, make sure you buy it now. Buy multiple <laughs> copies. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> share them with your admin. Yeah. Um, why don't we share again, AJ? You were going to jump the gun or whatever you said. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um. But again, we, we all had the opportunity to kind of go through the book and we each have some takeaways. So we each found paths that stuck out to us besides sure. the themes. Um, AJ, go ahead. Which one of the hundred stood out to you? Yeah. So I tried to stay within the theme for optimism. And I think the one that stood out to me was number 29, just take a risk. You know, and, and, and when I read it, the title first, you know, I thought a different way Then looking through that little piece and just kind of understanding what take a risk was, you know, I was thinking like personally, take a risk on yourself, be optimistic. That's going to work out. But looking at that, that little, that little path, number 29, like I said, it's more about the students and what you can do for the students to allow them to be the risk takers in your classroom. And I really, I'm a little- I really like that one. I think that was big for me. Stacy, which one for you? Um, like AJ, I kind of stuck in my area. So in adaptability. One, one second, let me interrupt. I, I lost AJ there. I had a little, you know, thing with the internet and I couldn't hear what he said. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm, no, no, it's okay. I said number, number 29, take a risk. And, oh, okay, and again, gotcha. I, I thought that was more personal, but then looking at it, it was more about the students taking a risk. And I thought yeah. you know, that that's something that I definitely did in my classroom. I pushed those risk takers you know, and, I, and I think that, that that's why it stuck out to me. Excellent. Thank you. Sorry, Stacy. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, so I stuck with adaptability. And like AJ, I too thought that um, my my strategy, which is number 77, hunt for a mentor, was going to lead me down the path of finding a mentor um, 
that is my peer, right? My a peer mentor, meaning someone who's a colleague. Um, you know, as James was saying earlier, you know, it could be someone younger. So I thought about that too, but he really, you know, kind of through a loop and, and told you that your mentors can be your students. And I have said this for years when I was a tech coach, you know, I would tell my teachers all the time that, um, your kids understand like the nuances of the technology in ways that you'll not get right away. Like if you're not living, breathing, eating certain things about technology, they're going to show you how to do those shortcuts. They're going to figure out why your audio isn't working. I had a student figure out why my audio wasn't working the first day. She was like, I think it's because, and she solved it in like two seconds. I pulled out a cord and it was like, and there we go. And I was like, and you, you are going to be my, yes. my tech star. And like, I'm a pretty techie person. So like just looking for those mentors and, and sharing the space in your classroom that everyone can be the teacher, I think is such a powerful thing. And um, yeah. I re- that one really jumped out at me and just kind of spoke to me and the way that I like to approach teaching and how I tried in the past to help like the teachers I was coaching work with their students as well. Are you a Brene Brown fan? Yes. She did a ma- marvelous TED talk on vulnerability. Yep. Showed it to my, uh, my budding educators last week. They loved it. I think what you're talking about there, I think Brene Brown would wholeheartedly endorse. You are being vulnerable to students. You are showing great security by by unveiling that vulnerability, and you're also making them feel outstanding by giving them the respect to try to come up with a solution. So there's lots yeah. of positive things that come from that. Yeah, empowering kids is like one of my favorite things. So Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Chris? For me, now, now it's weird. You two had ones that stood out within the those five topics that resonated resonated with you and mine does not (laughs) uh the one that jumped out to me was number 86 tell a story Uh, (laughs) go figure right i initially read it quick i thought it said tell your story and then i okay i was like let me go look at 86 okay let me read that one okay um but i'm gonna share that here here now okay so uh, people have told stories for as long as there have been words. Each of the world's major faith traditions utilizes stories to convey important ideas. In the classroom, stories bring dull lessons to life. This book contains many stories that work as hooks, help explain concepts, and give practical examples. Today, tell a story that will inspire students about the day's lesson. It could yes. be how you or perhaps a famous person interacted with the lesson topic. Or yes. it could be an abstract allegory. Now, I don't teach English, so I don't remember what an allegory is. <laughs> I got the idea. Um, this is a challenging prompt, but the potential payoff is highly engaged students. And yeah, my students know I'm Italian. I talk with my Chris, hands. Chris, you probably do it daily, stories. don't you? I do. <laughs> um, again, being the podcaster, telling stories, whether it's me or getting my students to share. This is what I, hey, Chris. how I frame history. I- Go ahead, James. Chris, are you familiar with uh, Daniel Pink, another guy from Columbus, Ohio? Yep, yep. We're big Pink fans over here. Big Pink he fans. Had a great, <laughs> he had a great quote about stories. He said, stories are the way we learn. It's been the way we've learned, like in every faith tradition. It's the way, it's the way you learn about your ancestors. It, it's the way you learn. Stories are incredibly powerful. Oh. And actually, you know what? We're, um, we're going to try something different here. Uh, okay. Similar to radio. We're actually going to go to the to the phones, so we're going to bring on uh, one of the brightest minds we know, <laughs> Mike Brilla. Mike <laughs> Brilla. That's there not saying is. much. You guys are in trouble. If that's there the he is, <laughs> Mr. Brilla Good and evening, I are Mike. going to uh, Mr. Brilla and I are going to go hiking sometime. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Good, Good seeing you, my man. Yeah, you too. I was all set just to listen and watch, but uh, the, the whole piece about what spoke to you the most, I think I had yeah. to jump on. Thank you, man. It's good yeah. seeing you, bro. You too. Hey, hey, what, what are you still instructional coaching? Yeah. for they, So up until so I, his, I day, his day is going to start about 10 o'clock tomorrow. Morning. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was all set to go back to the classroom until about July 28th. And they said, Hey, uh, how about one more year? Yeah. I'm the only person in my building whose job is exactly so, the same. So as what, what are you going to be doing at eight o'clock tomorrow morning? You're going to be like watch, like watching <laughs> ESPN, drinking coffee. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be probably running around to help somebody 
fix a Google Meet that's not working. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Or you, or, or you can just like kind of ignore some emails Hi. and get to them later. <laughs> <laughs> it's good seeing him, man. I love I love Mike Gorilla. <laughs> So, so what resonated with you, Mike? So, so the one, it's funny. I just reached out to Jim earlier this week. I was talking about it. It's that, that it's the 10th one. I think it is where it's listen oh, with your yeah. feet. Mm. That's right. I am a, I'm, I'm a pretty, especially at work, like a high energy person. And I'm trying to, I'm bouncing around from place to place. And, and I'm, I'm always trying to be as efficient as possible. And I think I, I read, I read it maybe a week or two ago. So I've been really cognizant of, of literally my feet, where my feet are pointing. And the idea is that, you know, your feet will, will show what you really care about. So if your body's facing the person, you're more likely to be listening to them. And it's just all the, the body language. And uh, I, I don't know if it has to do with the listening with your feet, but I actually had a guy who I, I coach wrestling with and we spend a, a, too much time together. Said, he's like, I don't know what, what, what happened to you, but you're a lot calmer this year than you were last year. You're a lot more patient with me. <laughs> hey, that's, that's beautiful, my friend. And listen, when I, when I when I do that little lesson, I, I, I tell students about it. You're going to love this, Michael, is I do it right before prom weekend. <laughs> and I say, like, when you ask that certain someone out to go to the prom, you can probably tell whether they're going to say yes or no if you just glance at their feet. Because <laughs> <laughs> if they're pointed away from you, it, it's not a good sign. So just kind of look at their feet, and that's going to give you confidence to go in and, at, and ask for the uh, date. Hallelujah. It, you know, what the heck, they're high school kids. No, but I love that tweet you sent me. And uh, you'll have to ask him if, if he noticed what, what, it, what it was about you that he noticed that was different. Yeah, maybe I will. I, <laughs> Mike, how's your school year going? Um, it's, uh, you know, up, up and down. Be, so our, our teachers are doing the whole, um, they have, well, eventually we'll get to everybody, but they have some kids in front of them and they're teaching this yeah. remotely at the same time. So that's been, it's been a challenge. So uh, the first, the first two weeks of insert, they gave us an extra week of in-service, which was really nice. So that was complete chaos. And, you know, I, I couldn't, couldn't sit down, couldn't run around fast enough. Um, and then our very first student day, it was about 90 minutes of chaos, but now, yeah. it's, um, you know, our teachers were lucky because the, we've used, we were using Google Classroom, Google Meet. Everything we're using this year, we used last year. So yeah. the comfort level is there a little bit more than than what I'm hearing from some other people. Uh, so it's it's been nice. Like last spring, it was a lot of like panic. Like, how can I do this? Whereas this this fall, it's uh, it's more of how can I do this better? Yeah. Uh, and I feel like more, you know, it took a pandemic, but I feel like people are, are willing to have me come in and help. Like it's, <laughs> hey, Michael, I have a question for you. Yeah. And, and this is something you might not know the answer to right now. One thing that's kind of shocked me is um, I just do like a little weekly YouTube. Hey, what's coming up for the week? Blah, blah, blah. You know, where, where they see my face, like you're seeing my face right now. Yep. But then on the days on there, you know, I'm like everybody else. I, I, I'm like this. And my students mentioned the other day, they're saying, you know, we feel like we bond with you more on your videos hmm. than when you're in class because we can see your your mouth and your nose and we can see when you're smiling and we can see your facial expressions. Yeah, I, I was not prepared for that. I, I thought that was really interesting. I'd be interested to see if your teachers have that experience. Yeah, they they said the same. They said almost the same thing, that they feel like they know the kids at home more than they know the kids in school. Yeah. And and. It's Chris, I gave him your advice when we were talking. The one person said, like, you know, well, how would you do it? And I said, where you had something about a couple of weeks ago where it was you, you'd focus on the people at home because that's it's, it's harder to get to them. And now they're feeling like they've connected more with those people, yeah. that it's, which is kind of ironic because we wanted the people in the building. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've had the hardest time learning students names because they're wearing masks. <laughs> it's just harder. Oh, I found the complete opposite because once they go home, everyone's in Zoom and I can see their names. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. And it's I, was like talking to, I was talking about when that when I'm when we're in person, like like when they're in person, it's really hard to see their face based on a picture when they're wearing a mask. It's tough. I, yeah. I, I've had a harder time this year learning names. It's weird. Names can be challenging. Hey, <laughs> hey Chris, one thing I I wanted to. Um, 
I wanted to talk about a little bit. Did anybody in here, and, and I don't blame anybody for saying no to this, did anybody in here read the acknowledgments to this I book? Did. Very good, I, I, meant the, I read the um, dedication. Okay. And the acknowledgement was at the end, and the acknowledgement kind of follows along with Path 24, and it talks about why I wrote the book. And, and someone asked me, because it's, it's really a different book. It's only 16,000 words. You know, the books I wrote before that were like 50,000 words. So it's, it's really, really short. And as Stacy pointed out, you know, I'd like people just to read maybe a path a, a day, which doesn't take hardly any time at all. But I was inspired to write the book by a Christmas present that my daughter-in-law gave me. And it was this book called How to Walk by Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese Zen master. And, you know, I'm like this typical old guy. I mean, what does is, what is my daughter-in-law get, like a guy like me, for Christmas? <laughs> like, what do, you get, what do you get an old guy for Christmas? So she got me a book, and it was a Thich Nhat Hanh, and it didn't make much of an impression at first. But then I just picked it up one day and just, and just read this thing, and it's on how to walk mindfully. And the first page was only about two paragraphs on how to feel each part of your foot hit the ground when you walk. And I think, well, that's kind of cool. I'll do that today. And I did, and it was fun. And so then I came back and read another page uh, and then tried that. And then I noticed that there were little sketches in the book, and I thought that was really neat. And, and I just thought, man, it'd be really neat to write a book like this. And I bet you I read that book four or five years ago. So it's funny where we get inspiration to do my daughter-in-law credit because she actually bought me a present, even though she's probably lost what to buy me. But she bought a powerful one. She's like, oh, I'll just give him this stupid book on <laughs> it led to a gift for all of us, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So I, I did want to share that. I, I did want to share that. <laughs> this podcast is all about professional development, so we like to ask each of our guests Thanks, what their preferred type of professional development is to either get or to give. My, I have to tell a PD story here, and, and this is a wonderful PD story where I look like I really don't know what I'm doing. And this is, this is not a self-promotion story. That's all of us, James. Don't worry about it. <laughs> at all. And, and this was – and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess something. This was not that long ago. Okay, we're in, this, we're in this PD, and we have this superintendent. She was a very intense person and, and kind of made me uh, nervous because she was, she was just really intense. And she was talking about formative assessment. And at this point in my career, I wasn't exactly sure what formative assessment was. <laughs> so I said, you know, I know we're talking about formative assessment, but I have to be honest here. I, I really don't know what formative assessment is. And she was like, how can you not know what formative assessment is? And I was, it was kind of embarrassing. And, you know, she kind of went on a little bit about that. But I walked away from that thinking, yeah, that reflects more on you than me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, here I am, you're, you're teaching me and you're making broad assumptions that I know what the heck you're talking about. And I, I really don't. So I think that professional development needs to be more like what professional development is saying that we should do in the classroom. It needs to be more personalized. It needs to be more individual. Teachers need to set their own pace to get through it. Uh, the thing I tell my students right now uh, they're going to be teachers is the best formative assessments are ones that are engaging and relevant. So people want to do them, even though they're not getting a grade for them. So I think that administrators, AJ, need to really practice what they preach when it comes to professional development and to actually conduct professional development mm -hmm. as they want us to teach the classes which is not what I see done. I see it more like the industrial model. I got 50 people in here. I'm going to teach them all at the same time. I'm going to throw a lot of information out. Chris, that's my answer. I, I love it. And uh, I think I think each and every one of us tries to do that the best we can. And, and Stacey, I like when you talk about how that's all we're trying to do now more than ever is just do the best mm -hmm. you can mm -hmm. with what just you've can. got. With what you got. Build the plane as you go, which I'm striking from my vernacular and my vocabulary after this year. But once the plane is half built in January, I'm just going to stop saying that. <laughs> nice. Um, James, I have one more question for you, but we're going to talk about that in just a second because it relates to podcasting. Um, so as you yeah. transition out of this, uh, again, the book is Teaching in Magenta and you can buy it wherever fine mm -hmm. books are sold. But 
the best thing to do would be go to podcastpd.com slash 84 and click on the buy the book link and uh, that'll uh, get you that book. Um, and before we talk about our recommendations, did you know that uh, if you get value from our conversations here on Podcast PD and you've ever wondered how you could support our efforts that go into creating this podcast, you can help the show. You can support us on a monthly or yearly basis by becoming a Podcast PD executive producer. And we are blessed to be joined by one of them right now. Mike Brilla is here. He is one of our executive producers, which is why we can fast track him right onto the show because he's the boss. He's running the show. He's, he's running the show. Running the show. Yeah. Um, On my time. So you can support the show monthly for $5 or yearly for 50. And as a thank you, every executive producer gets a podcast PD sticker. And if you support us on a yearly basis, we will send you a mug and a t-shirt. And uh, you can get more information by going to podcastpd.com slash executive producer. And we want to thank our executive producers. Mike Brilla is here with us. We'd also like to thank Mr. Adam Kelly and our two newest executive producers, Stephanie Skrocki and Sandy Hartman. Thank you for your support. We appreciate you. And uh, how we doing, boss? <laughs> Phenomenal. Another good one. <laughs> nice. Could use a little more, a little more sports talk in the beginning, but uh, other... <laughs> we want to be a little crazy. more sports. <laughs> we'll we'll have to do a sports episode. When Stacy puts in for a vacation day. I think we do. <laughs> um, so before we wrap up, uh, James, thank you for being here. We're going to have you reshare your podcast recommendation. But first, yeah. uh, you also are a podcaster. So please, That's for right. lack of better words, pimp your podcast. Oh, God. You know, my podcast is just a hobby. <laughs> and it's something I do for pure enjoyment. But here's what happened. I, I started teaching college and I assign it to my students all the time. And I feel great about it because a lot of people write books and they make their students buy them. I do podcasts and my kids get them for free. <laughs> there you go. Now there is one more, there's one more podcast. I have to, I have to, I have to suggest. And it's the happiness lab. Once again, it is Dr. Lori Santos from Yale, the happiness lab podcast. It's episode one. Uh, excuse me, it's season one, episode 10. It's called Making the Grade. It's all about how grades just screw up everything. Mm. <laughs> and it's it's something that, that every teacher needs to listen to. It's just so provocative and they'll love it. Nice. So my, my question about podcasting, James, is are there any plans to turn Teaching in Magenta into what I would think would be a limited edition 100-episode podcast where you can turn these pads into singular episodes. Well, That's actually, I've written pitch for you to start a books. podcast about this book. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know something? I, I think I don't think I'm going to do that because I think I'm just going to stay with with what I have, which is overwhelming, uh, and and I'm just going to throw. I'm just going to like kind of morph into talking more about that book. Nice. But I think I think I think all my books are tied together, man. I I, I think they're all the same theme. It's just engage the kids and bond with the kids. Well, I guess that's the next book, Engage and Bond with Kids by James Sturvant. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> nice. James, for people who want to continue to learn and grow with you and from you, how can they connect with you and do that? Uh, you can go to jamesallensturdivant.com uh, or you can just send me uh, an email. Now, now here's what I'm going to do, uh, Mr. Nessie, because I learned this the hard way. I'm just going to spell out my name using the NATO alphabet. It's so much easier. So much easier. P is in Papa. J is in Juliet. S is in Sam. T is in Thomas. U is in Uniform. R is in Romeo. T is in Thomas. E is in Echo. V is in Victor. A is in Alpha. N is in November. T is in Thomas at gmail.com. <laughs> it will also be and, in the show notes at podcastpd.com slash 83. <laughs> I'm sorry I couldn't resist. God, neither could I. <laughs> um, James, thank you so an, much that, for... That, that's an English name, by the way. Everybody thinks it's like a German name or a Dutch name. It's an English name. <laughs> wow. Huh. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for being a part of Podcast PD. Um, we're fighting through the uh, the technology issues. Yeah. But, uh, we appreciate you taking time here on oh, Sunday night to, to join us and share your words and your ideas with our audience and community. Mm -hmm. You guys are great. I mean, I, I just felt like I was sitting around with you on the back porch and 
Now we're going to go inside and, and get a beer and watch uh, Russell Wilson and Cam Newton. <laughs> Enjoy your nice. game. <laughs> thank you. Take care, everyone. Mike, Mr. Brilla, thank you for hopping on as well. Oh, How can people you. connect with you? Uh, Twitter at Mr. Underscore Brilla. That's probably the easiest way. That's B as in boy. (laughs) Well done. Well done. (laughs) On that note, it is time to say goodbye. Say goodbye, Christopher. Goodbye, Christopher. Say goodbye, AJ. Goodbye, AJ. Say goodbye, Mike. Goodbye, Mike. And say goodbye, James. (laughs) Thank you for fun, man. Goodbye, Podcast PD. Thank you for checking out this episode of Podcast PD. For links to everything that we discussed in this episode, you can visit the show notes at our website, podcastpd.com. To connect with the show on social media, we are at Podcast PD on Instagram and Twitter, and we share using the hashtag Podcast PD. To connect with Stacy, AJ, and myself, we are on Twitter at Mr. Nessie, at Stacy Lindis, and at AJ Bianco. We would love to hear from you, so please go to podcastpd.com slash feedback and send us an email, send us a voice message, whatever you need to do. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you share it with somebody that you think would get value from it. Word of mouth is the best way to share a podcast you enjoy, and we hope you enjoyed Podcast PD. We appreciate you listening, we appreciate your sharing, and we love creating this podcast for you. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care.